Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the uh, second episode of Craft Theology. We are very excited that you're joining and that you're listening uh, to what we have to say. We are very thankful for all the support that we got from episode one. Uh, it was really, really a beautiful thing to see uh, everybody listening and uh, everybody kind of being a part of what we're doing here. Um, if you have not followed us on Instagram yet, please go ahead and do so. Uh, it is just Craft Theology uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's actually craft.theology on Instagram. So it's important. Yeah, the dot has to be there. So go ahead and uh, give us a, a, a follow, like our photos, comment on our stuff, all that jazz. Also, if you have anything that you would like to hear us talk about here on the podcast, just go ahead and shoot us an email. That email is crafttheologypodcast at gmail.com. So we'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, today, we are very excited because, as you know, this is Craft Theology and we love all things craft. So we have uh, a beverage today. It is called Beach Me Up. Beach me up. Uh, it is a grapefruit shandy. Uh, it was it was sent to us uh, from some friends down in Florida, um, uh, the Florida brewery. So uh, thank you for sending us these. Uh, but yeah, it's called Beach Me Up. It's a grapefruit shandy. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be. What does shandy mean? Drinking and trying. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. None of us have ever had this before, so our reaction is going to be a true reaction. I'm a big fan of anything citrus. Well, that's good. So we open it in the mic again. I don't care what we do. You're the one ready for it. Go for it. It's always, sometimes you just got to get the finger underneath. Here we go. Mm. Eh. That wasn't bad. That sounds just like our sound bite. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I did not. Shotgun it. I, I could not. All right, I'll go. Waste it. That was pretty. Yeah, I went fast so that it came out quick. Oh, that was nice. I hurt my finger. Yeah, my finger kind of hurts too. We also have fancy glasses that we're going to drink it out of so that we're not just drinking it out of a can. Like savages. Because we got class. That's what it is. Are you doing the right pour, though? No. Come on, 45 degrees. And then you turn it up to get the head on top. Come on. Or you just do it like me, and then there is no head. This is a beautiful pour. I mean, that's about, that's about where mine's at. Yeah. Um. So the last episode, we... You tried. We talked about the in the beginning, uh, and it was a lot of fun just talking about creation, uh, mostly just challenging the idea of a 24-hour day. Uh, that was kind of the point. I know we talked about a lot of other stuff, but it was a lot of fun, uh, and it was a great thing to do. Uh, but... One thing that just kind of slipped our minds in the <laughs> hustle and bustle of the day and recording, um, we, we didn't tell you who we were. So uh, I'm Elliot, and with me I have uh, Xander Hello. and uh, Luciana. We just call her Lucy. So, Lucy. Uh, Lucy's the one that didn't say anything. Yeah. yeah. I was reading the can. Um and smelling it because I wanted to know what I was expecting. Uh, it's got a good smell. It does smell like grapefruit. They got that right. It's not bad. Um, so let's try it. Mm. 
I kind of already did. Wow. Let's let's give it a let's give it a. I drink mine. A try. Okay. Well, you already had a sip of yours. What do you think? It's um, it's not bad. It's not my favorite grapefruit I've ever had, but it's got a good. F- it's 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 you know, it's not bad. It's very grapefruity. Yeah, it's got like a weird kind of grapefruit. Right. Like it's not it. it's not the flavor of grapefruit. Like it just kind of tastes like grapefruit. I don't yeah. love hoppy beers, but I feel like there's not enough hops in this. Mm. Which is really weird. I never thought I would say that. But now tasting that, I feel like there needs to be more hops in it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's good though. It is actually I mean, it's true good. True to the name. Yeah. And it's it's what we got. So I mean, I could I, I would say like if there if somebody did get this for me, and I was at a place or whatever. I would drink it. It's not like I would say this is disgusting and just say I'm not going to finish this. I, I would easy, It's I would drink it. Oh, it's drinkable. Okay, for sure. here's the question. Do you feel like going to the beach? Does it oh. beat you up? All the time. It All the time. But you always it, feel like going to the beach. It beaches me up. I just feel like when you say the name, because it has an exclamation point at the, bo- at the end of it, I just got to feel like I just got to say, beach me up. Beach me up. Yeah. I don't, this is. Yeah. I don't think this is like what I Like, if there's a bartender, the he's like, hey, beach. what do you want? And I'm at the end of the bar. I'm just like, beach me up. And he's like, all right. Yeah, I don't think I could drink it at the beach. I don't think so either. Wow. I think I it's, it's nice to drink in the AC. No, mm-hmm. I could I, sit. I don't think I could right drink on it the beach. in the, the, the heat of I could the sun. The real Easily test is going to be what it tastes like when it warms up a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. That's going to suck. That's w- Yeah, but that's when you know, is this beach drinkable? Well, we, it yeah. looks like we got about... Ten minutes. We got a ten minute show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we're just gonna be chugging them. Um, so what? What's the? What are we talking about today? You already forgot. No, I didn't forget. But wow. I've, I've been talking a lot. So somebody else say something. Well, um, Lucy, how about you talk about what we're talking about today? Oh, okay. The one with the least amount of experience should talk about the topic. Great. Um. Well, uh, today, by. Elliot's decision, we were going to talk about uh, the theology of worship and all things that encompasses, because that's going to go a lot of different places. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. There is a lot for theology of worship. Yeah, we have a lot to say in this episode. Um, so, where let's, uh, Xander, go ahead and start us out with what what is worship? What does it mean to to worship? So what does it mean to worship? Mm. Wow. That's such a deep question in and of itself. But I think we got to start with, we have to set a, a definition of worship, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's super important. If we're going to talk about anything, we have to understand what we're talking about. And um, a book that I was reading and kind of was looking at, it's called Worship for the Whole People of God. It's a really good book. It kind of goes through the first couple chapters, explain worship as a whole, and then it goes through kind of each section that you might see in a a worship service from all the way from baptism to the Eucharist or communion. And how Duck describes worship is it is bringing worth onto something or someone. So it's bringing worth onto something or someone. So it's as simple as how can we, it's showing um, value and affection to whatever it is you might have. So whether we realize it or not, we are always in an act of worship every, every part of our day. And because God's in everything, and obviously 
everything, even the breath we breathe is an act of worship. We're always worshiping God, yeah. whether we realize it or not. I think what's real scary about that definition, though it's a definition I agree with, what I think is scary about it is if worship is the thing we, is the thing we give value to, um, whether it be a person or, or a thing, um, I think it challenges us a lot as Christians to what what else are we worshiping? Yeah, right. Like because, I mean, realistically, I don't I don't see it um, being easy to completely give everything that you have every minute, every second of every day to to God. Like mm-hmm. like you're putting value in other places. Yeah, because. Uh, and, and, you know, and a lot of times you have to, right? Like, if you're married, then you're putting value into your wife and into your relationship. If you have kids, you're putting value into your kids. Like, you know, you, you put value in other things just because that's that's what we do as humans. So I think where uh, I guess I would challenge that definition a touch is, you know, what are you putting the most value in? Yeah, I can understand. Right? And that's what, you're, yeah. that's what you're worshiping. I can understand that, but also in the same way, I think, it, for example, how you mentioned, um, you know, if you have a wife or maybe children or you have something where you're going to put your attention and time towards them, I think even by spending time with them and showing them the utmost respect and valuing them and loving them, I think in the same way that is actually a showing your worship of God because you're loving people the way God wants you to love people. Yeah, that's fair. And so I think I we just have what, to think about it that way. Yeah, I think you just have to. It's one of those things where, even you know, maybe we have some college students listening to us. Maybe it's you're going to spend a lot of your time on your studies. Well, that's how God's designed you. God yeah. wants you to ex- go on your education and learn more and do whatever it might be that you're called to. I think spending time in that study, even though you might not feel like it, that's still worshiping God because you're utilizing how God has made you and your showing those skills and those traits that you have that are unique to you. Right. And so if that's how we're defining worship as a whole, I guess I want to ask a second question. And how how does the church define worship? Ooh. Right? Like we understand that that worship is and should be kind of just a li- a, a livelihood, right? We should constantly be living in this state of worship because we're giving value to God. But when you show up to church and the church says, we're going to have a worship service, mm. right? Immediately we all think, okay, we're going to go into, we're, it's just going to be music. Yeah. Right? Like that's what it's going to be. So how is the church defining worship? Um, you, Lucy, either any of y'all can, can kind of touch on that if you'd like to. You want to touch on it, Lucy? Uh, sure. Um, well, at face value, churches are obviously defining worship as music. Yeah. And, like, that's why people say this is a worship song, praise and worship, like they've already categorized it. And then there are people who have taken those steps to then say, we're going to worship through the giving of our offering. We're going to worship through communion. And they have tried to instill the idea that worship is directly correlated to a sacrament in the church Mm, more or less so i mean and it's not wrong but then i mean i always take that further and i'm like no everything i do is worship right yeah and that's just the church 
gets that, I think, if you ask them, they're obviously going to be like, yeah, of course, everything we do is worship. But when they then start to worship, they're going to do something specific, be it a sacrament, sing, like communion. They're going to do one of those specific acts yeah, because they believe in like physical attribution of worship. Yeah. Um, just so the audience is clear, when we're talking about uh, the church, um, we're, we're not talking about the the church Catholic, um, the whole, like the universal church, uh, because we're not a part of the universal church, right? When we say the church, we are mostly talking about the experiences that we have had uh, and that we have shared, which is predominantly um, white middle class. Pentecostalism. Um, agreed? Disagreed? I mean, I didn't grow up in that. We might be slightly yeah. different. Yeah. Um, that's what you're in now. So that's kind of why I, I said that. So, um, But, you know, because I'm sure some of y'all are sitting there going, well, that's not how our church thinks about it. And, da, 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 and that's fine. And that's great for your church. So when we say the church, uh, know that we're predominantly talking about the tradition that we are a part of. And a lot of the westernized... Um, kind of the, because I do think a lot of where we are going to go with this is the just the way the American church, mm-hmm. yeah. especially with some of the churches that dominate the headlines or dominate how we view our Christian religion today. I, I think a lot of those is also where we're going to pull a lot of, especially when we talk about worship. So I know eventually we're going to get there where it's going to make sense to where we're talking more about the the whole American style of church. But one of the things that you said, Lucy, that I, I wanted to touch on but you mentioned how, like most churches, most pastors or congregants, they will say, "Yeah, we understand that everything's everything we do is a part of our worship." But I, I feel like a lot of people say that, but they don't actually practice that mm-hmm. because their understanding of how do I actually practice worship? I practice worship by lifting my hands. Yeah, and I think that creates such a problem because we really limit God in mm-hmm. kind of everything. We oh, yeah. not only in a kind of the biggest thing and where we limit God is we limit God because we're limiting ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're limiting we're limiting ourselves into where we can interact with God. We and I think one of the biggest problems and this is where um Christianity has gone especially today in our, our America and churches that I've been to and been a part of is I believe congregants now only believe that they can experience God inside a building while they're in a sanctuary, and they can't experience God when they're in their car mm-hmm. or when they're at their house. They can only experience it when they're in a worship service, not even when a message is going. It's more just when the songs are singing, they have that adrenaline, that hype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know some of the best moments where I have experienced God have been in the car. Yeah. Like, in the car by myself, you know. Carrie Joe comes on. Oh, come on. <laughs> it just it takes That's me it. takes me to another, That's another throne level. Room. Um so we b- both of y'all have kind of mentioned uh the kind of the idea of sacraments um as being a part of a part of worship. I kind of just want to unpackage that a little more as we're talking about what is worship because uh you know a lot of you know, like we said, a lot of people uh, automatically default to music, uh, but there's so much more to that. There's the the liturgy of the service, the the sacraments uh, that we partake of. So let's unpackage that a touch more. Um, of uh, I guess how right? How are these sacraments that we partake in or participate in? How how are they 
worship so that we can make it clear to the listener that they are worship. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, what sacraments you want? Because there are we can go for. Yeah, no, there's a ton of them. Uh, yeah. Let's just start. Let's just start with Eucharist. Oh, all right. That's the that's the bread and butter. I love. No, it's the bread and wine. Ah, touche, touche. <laughs> there we go. Bread and wine. I mean, bread and butter. You know, it's a term, but we can. I guess we can go a little Christianese on us here. But the Eucharist is such an important sacrament that honestly, I don't think it gets utilized enough today. Especially in the the churches that I've been in, the Eucharist is only something that you do on Christmas and Easter. It's mm-hmm. just this kind of afterthought. But the whole purpose of Eucharist is such a beautiful concept that we have to understand. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, I just read this not even too um, right before we started the podcast. I was talking to Elliot, and I read him this page in the book that I was reading out of, and it talks about how the Eucharist. What it is, is it is the most welcoming place that any person can be in on earth because you are literally being invited to partake in a meal with the community of the church to remember Jesus and his sacrifice for it. Like, what a welcoming place for you to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so w- when you bring up that idea, right, um, not to not to derail the, the, the conversation on u- the Eucharist, but Go ahead. community and fellowship— Mm-hmm. are huge, huge parts of what worship is. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of that, a lot of that you see through the act of doing or participating in Eucharist. Yeah. Um, but that also could just be sitting down and having a, a family meal. Oh, yeah. Um, it's us sitting down doing this podcast, right? Like mm-hmm. we're fellowshipping. Uh, we're participating in the act of worship. Even though there's no worship music playing and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I know we're already... We'll, we'll jump back on that Eucharist in a second, but, I mean, you just think about, like, what we're... I mean, I do think fellowship and community is such a vital aspect of worship that never gets mm-hmm. utilized enough in the church. Mm. I mean, this is... I mean, you, you think about the Acts 2 church, which I am... I love the Acts 2 church. I, I That's probably my be- my favorite thing in the Bible to read and study is just how close these guys were and these gals were too you know throwing some guys and gals in there but they were just so intimate with one another yeah and they just truly loved each other and they they didn't have anything that we have today but their church was way more stable and loving than we could ever probably ever see in our lifetime right because the success of the church did not come from the doctrine or the theology it came from uh, we're just gonna be together. Yeah, we're just gonna love each other. Yeah, and then it grew astronomically. And that's just, but isn't that what? I mean, you think about even though it's such an old concept because that's what we originally see, but is that not what people want today? They just want a community where they can just feel accepted and loved and valued. Yeah, I think people want it more now than they have in a long time. Yeah, and so I mean, even like this podcast and what we're doing. I mean just three friends sitting down having a beverage with one another and we're just talking about God. I feel like this is, I mean, we're literally worshiping God in just such a unique way because we're putting all of our attention not only to God, but we're also bringing attention to ourselves because we're, we're just having fellowship and creating community with one another. Yeah. And, and that's such an important aspect uh, of worship that we don't even think about. Right. Because this is, I really believe this is what God wants his church to be. 
He yeah. wants his church to be built on community with one another. Because it's so fascinating when you can just sit down and not even worry about any differences or what we look like or our beliefs, but we can just look at a person and just talk about God. I mean, that's 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 some true worship. Yeah. So let's get back on Eucharist. I know. That was a little rant we just went um, on there. No, rants are great. So back on Eucharist, I understand Eucharist as being such a vital part of worship because um, it is literally you participating in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Like you are not only acknowledging that it happened, but you are participating in the act of it. Um, And I think, you know, that, you know, that's more uh, worshipful, if that's even a word. Is that a word? Worshipful? It isn't an incorrect suffix. Okay. Nice. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is that's more worshipful than you know singing a song on a Sunday morning. I- at least it can be, right? Yeah. I think there's times to where um you know singing a song, you get moved by the spirit and you can have a real intimate moment mm-hmm. with with Christ. But I- if you just do if you just participate in the Eucharist and it doesn't affect you in some way, yeah. I mean, you're doing Eucharist wrong. Yeah. Y- you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Eucharist is one. Uh, what about, like, baptism? I mean, yeah. I mean, baptism, it's such a outward expression of something that you've decided to do. Well, hold on. Which baptism? Before I... Continue oh, on. okay. Because now I'm going to be very specific. Which baptism? Uh, water. Immersion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the baptism of immersion is such an outward representation of the decision you've made that, I mean, if that is your intent, that's the act. That's the act of worship is, as I now choose to follow you, I want everyone in this congregation to also see the commitment that I've made. Yeah. And that is worship mm-hmm. through that. I mean... I don't know. I feel like we could justify anything that you do. Any anything you could say, I could justify as to how it's worship. Really, I'm, I'm telling you, some of the well, most we can, but that's the like that's the point. Yeah. Well, I don't know where you were gonna go. I was gonna just say some of the most powerful, like some of the most powerful moments mm-hmm. where I've ever had, where I've been like, holy cow, have not been when I'm in a worship service or anything, but I'm just literally watching people get baptized. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever cried as much. Oh, I've it bawled. It gets me every time. Watching total strangers. Yes, total I strangers go in and then come up and they have their, their hands lifted and they're just like, I've wanted this. They're in tears. Gets me. Like, I'm a, I have I have goosebumps just popping yeah. up on me no, now just thinking about it. Like, I bawled. I went to my sister's church and they did baptisms and I didn't know that. And this lady goes up to the step. She takes one step on the baptism and like crumbles to the floor mm. bawling. She's just like, thank you, God, thank you. And I'm crying. And my yeah. sister, Liz, looks over at me, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah. do you not see what's going on? She's like, you don't even know her. And I'm like, no, but I feel like I do now. Like, that's such an yeah. intimate yeah. moment to be a part of that, like, I don't know her name, yeah. but I know her. And I know that there was a struggle before she got to that step, and it just washed away the moment she was Mm. baptized and came up and it it was so powerful 
that, I mean, I've been baptized. I was baptized as a child, but seeing that and seeing how as an adult you're getting baptized, it almost like, I won't say I was jealous, but like the fact that she knows the depravity of living without God Mm. and now she knows the fulfillment of living life with God. And I mean, luckily I've never had to truly live without the knowledge of God in my life that like I saw it and I was just like, I'm so happy for you that like, yeah, it brought me to tears completely. Like, isn't that such an, I mean, I I feel like to me, one of the most underlying and we kind of brushed on it quickly but community and fellowship, I mean, you can worship alone. And I think mm-hmm. there are times where that happens. I think there are times where you need that. Yeah. Like, there are most definitely times where you need to be alone and worshiping God. But there is just something so powerful about when you're in a community. I mean, just a baptism, something that, for the most part, when we think of a baptism, we think of that as an individual worship expression, right? We think of, I'm going to get baptized because I'm going to show you know, this is my choice. I want to show people and not only show people, but show myself that this is my new life because I found Jesus now. Yeah. And so for the most part, we view that as an individual action, as an individual part of worship, but it actually has such a community aspect to it because it's so powerful in that regard. I, I feel like community is just, it's intertwined with, I mean, obviously congregational worship is community, but it's such an intertwined thing that we, we, I feel like just never gets enough attention. Yeah. Because without without community, um, and that's kind of going to lead us into kind of the next uh, sacrament that a lot of people don't consider to be a sacrament, uh, but it is. And I know uh, we all have probably pretty deep thoughts uh, about it, but without community, there there is no worship. Mm-hmm. Right, at all. Yeah. So, like, and let me argue this. Even if you're by yourself, if you don't have community with God, there is no worship. Oh, there you go. Right, like, not to go... I like that. Like, quite that extreme. I like it, though. But if there is no community, there is no worship. That's good. You can't... You can't have... You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Right? You can't have worship but not have community. Mm. There has to be community. Mm. I like that. Um... And community is important when uh, this next form... Of, I, I truly believe it's a form of worship, and that's lamenting. Oh, come on. Bruh. I know we all have thoughts on lamenting because Love it is probably lament. the most uh, underrated, mm-hmm. unused, mm-hmm. misused sacrament in modern western church tradition oh yes especially within pentecostalism Mm. absolutely um so let's talk about lament for a second one let's cover what it is because that's lament's kind of a, a fancy word uh why do we need to do it why do we think it's being neglected and then maybe what are some potential outcomes to try to fix it? I know that's like a you lot are, of questions. You are loading in on this one. Yeah, because I, I think it's so important, and I think it's probably uh, the most powerful form of worship mm-hmm. that we have in our arsenal as believers. Yeah. Because when you read, like you read Psalms. Oh, yeah. What is it? 
fifty percent of the psalms are lamenting. Mm-hmm. I don't know about a certain statistic. Like fifty percent sounds. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact statistic either. I don't but fifty percent is it? But I mean, it is. But there the, are a lot of song. There are a lot of lamenting. Right. There's there's a lot of them. So obviously it's important. Yeah. But yet we don't do it. So, uh, you said brah like you've been looking that up. So that's <laughs> why my books are open. What too. do you? Oh, let's let's. All kick right, us I guess off. Lucy's taking this one. Kick over. us off. Uh, I love laments. First of all, for people who don't really know what that is, it's actually a form of prayer, um, and it is a prayer of sorrow, basically, and it's a prayer of, I mean, in really layman terms, you're just listing all the things in your life that are kind of going wrong, really, um, and to lament is to just. Give these grievances to God, really. And um, what I had open was Psalm 77, because you are right. A good portion of the Psalms are laments. Um, And it is um, Psalms 77, specifically verses 10 through 15. And it uh, says, And I said, This is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your works and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples, and you have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. And this, this is a lament because, I mean, at the beginning it's saying this is my anguish in like I'm they're struggling, but in the midst of this struggle, it is like a perspective shift of how in pain I am, but how great you are. Mm. And in this big old dictionary that my grandfather gave me when he retired from the ministry, um, it actually defines worship to be rendered to God alone, mm. which I think is real pretty. Um, so if worship is to be rendered to God alone, a lament is such a great way as you are struggling and as things in your life are kidding roadblocks and you're not getting to where you want to be, you bring it to God and you're like, God, this hurts. I'm in pain, but I will remember your greatness and I will remember you because there's no one as good as you. And I think that's fully being rendered to God alone is even in the midst of me struggling and suffering and understanding that my life is painful, as I am to you alone, I'm also going to recognize your glory. Yeah. And I just think that's phenomenal. And I love Laments and Lamentations. is my favorite book in the Bible. And I read it when I'm sad because it makes me feel better. <laughs> I don't know why, but I read it and I'm like, wow, their lives were awful. Yeah. And I read it and I go, this is what I'm struggling with. And I kind of have a conversation with my Bible and I'm like, yeah, the Israelites were exiled and I just failed my midterm. And like, I go back and forth with my Bible and then I'm like, yes, God is good. God is great. And he will work everything out into his glory. So, yeah. And I think you, how you, I mean, obviously how you described it, you said it's so, so key. And especially in a lament, it's not, I mean, in a sense, yes, it is you're complaining to God, 
right? right. We see David. David is notorious for com- making these complaints to God. Oh yeah. But it's there's this. It always comes back down to the end. It's that key at the end. Is you end up saying, I know this sucks, and I don't know why I'm going through this, mm-hmm. but God, you are still in control. God, you're still good. I'm still going to praise you. Yeah. Even though my situation may be terrible, I still serve and worship a God who literally is the breath of my lungs. Yeah, and I think that's what's so beautiful about lamenting mm-hmm. is, you know, a lot of times uh, modern teachings in churches is... Like, you know, you don't, uh, how do I want to say this? God never does anything bad, mm-hmm. right? Which, correct. But they they teach it and they set it up in a way to where, um, you know, you can't go and complain to God. Yeah. Right? But yet, that's all, I mean, that's all a lament is. And that's what David does so often. Mm-hmm. Is literally, like, God, where are you? Like, why have you left me here to die? Yeah. Like, I hate you for not being where, like, with me right now. But then it always ends with, but you're still God. You're still on the throne. I'm still going to worship you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's what's crucial, mm-hmm. right? If we just get up and we just, you know, talk crap about God and it's just crap then, you know, we're obviously not doing ourselves any good. And, you know, we probably need to question, are we believers? Yeah. Um, but the fact that it always ends in, you know, you're still God, you're, you know, you're still on the throne, I'm still going to worship you. It just shows this this level of intimacy mm-hmm. between David and God mm-hmm. that's so beautiful. Because even when I don't like you, I still love you. Right, even when you're making me mad and I feel like you're out to get me, I'm still gonna follow you. I'm still gonna worship you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just gorgeous. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. Um, so why then is this practice neglected in churches? Because there was a time to where Lament like lamenting was a part of the service. Mm-hmm. Like you would have some worship songs, and then you would have like a lament section, and then you would have like some more music, and then you would have the message. Like it used to be a normal part of you know everyday Sunday morning service. Why in in recent history has it has it died? Do you want to go first or me? Because people don't want to admit their pain. Hey, Amen. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, that's there it. Like, go. I don't understand where the idea that Christians' lives are perfect Ooh, came from. Come on. But it became this, like, borderline when pastors gave altar calls. They phrased it as, get saved and your life becomes infinitely better. Yeah. yeah. And then as people got saved and their lives weren't better, then they're like, I must be doing something wrong. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not going to tell anyone because obviously Christians are supposed to have good lives. I must be the odd one out. Don't tell anyone you have any problems. And then that just snowballed into 
Christians' lives are supposed to be perfect, and if it's not, you're doing something wrong. And then no one just wanted to talk about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And that's terrible. Like, the whole... Honestly, was it the 70s or the 80s that started that? It might have been before. But, like, it was a very big revival idea that as you got saved, your life got better. Well, it was the, uh, I mean, it was the Word of Faith movement. I didn't really want to call out specific pastors, but yes. Right. We're not calling out pastors. We're just calling out (laughs) movements. (laughs) The Word of Faith, the Name it and Claim It, Prosperity Mm. Doctrine, all that. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. You got saved and... You want this, declare it, you're going to get it, because yeah. that's how it works. And I mean... And send me $5,000 and you'll get your healing yeah, for and my new jet. So, like, that's the thing. Now uh-uh. people are in this mindset of, I can't tell anyone I'm struggling because I'm not supposed to be struggling. Yeah. And if I am struggling, it's because I don't have enough faith. I haven't prayed today. I haven't done something. Like I'm not doing good enough. And that's a terribly disabling like spot to be in right like it it severely hinders and i mean it only was uh talking to people and realizing that you don't have to have your life together and you realize that as soon as you're out of that stigma that you can fully bring issues you're having and then you can be healed through that it's the only way that's going to work. For those of you who are wondering why we're laughing at this, <laughs> Elliot just, just got up, and I guess he, he is not able to... Can, uh, he didn't like what I had to say, I guess. I guess so. He also has a bad bladder. He's, uh, he's 85. It's yeah, okay. he's like 85 years old, so he's already peeing. So... I don't really know if we want to continue on the conversation, but I, I'm there's a lot that you bring up that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was going to wait on, I don't know if we want to wait on Elliot to get back, but I'll just throw it out here just to keep the conversation going. Because even though the listeners, they don't know Elliot's gone. Well, they do now. But <laughs> the thing is, though, I, I think a lot of why the church has stopped the lament is because we as pastors and as churches, we've, started preaching hope wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. Like, we go from, in a kind of the same way where you're talking about, where, and I think it might have come, it could be something out of that movement or just out of that teachings, but where you said your life has to be perfect, whereas I feel like pastors now, they talk about hope and they try to just constantly bring up, like, you might be in a bad situation, but let me tell you, it's going to be okay. Like, everything's going to be okay. Jesus is going to come in and rectify mm-hmm. and your situation's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, don't, or I even think the funny thing is, is as well, when we, because I've heard pastors say that, and they also go, don't even let that thought, or if you're starting to battle depression, mm-hmm. or you're starting to battle these different things in your life, don't let that conquer you or defeat or have mm-hmm. place over you, because what's going to end up happening is that's going to be what ends up taking over you. And so mm-hmm. we, we have this terrible mindset that, we can't even acknowledge it because if we acknowledge it, that means that it's all of a sudden yeah. has a precedent over us. And so now when you say, let's start opening up in church, what are you going through? People have already been conditioned in their minds to go, no, I can't say that because if I say that, mm-hmm. that, it, that means I have a problem. And if I have a problem, that means that it has yeah. precedence over No, me. and people then downplay their problems. And I mean, the song uh, Trading My Sorrows, 
Mm. You love that song. That's a great song. My father despises that song. That has song. a great melody to he it, He does not like it for the sole instance of the fact that you're saying, my sorrows. And my dad's like, why are you claiming the fact that you have sorrows? Mm. Like, no. You're not trading your sorrow. You're just trading... He's like, you should say you're trading this sorrow. He's like, you don't want to claim that and have it be yours. And I'm like, no, but it is mine. Yeah. Like, that's my sorrow. Like, that specific thing was my burden. And I'm like, but then you move on. And I think it is a good song. Like, it took me years to fully actually appreciate that song. It's a great to song. To where the bridge, or I don't know, is I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. And even through the melody, it's like, I might be hurting, but I'm not defeated. Yeah. And I think that's such a great mindset, but people hear it and they're like, I don't have burden. It's not my problem. And I'm like, no, why are you downplaying your struggle? Like you're struggling, struggle, lament, share it with the community because it's only through the community. Are you going to experience healing and then be healed? Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about, um, you know, lamenting in a in a in a service of, of some form, but you know that is the place that we need to lament because being in that community of people is the only way that we can receive healing. Oh yeah, right. Healing healing in community is is a must. Like I, I think even with the healing, um, you know, I I can't remember where I've heard this before. But and it started off as that God is obviously he's the initiator of the healing. Like your healing always comes from God. But there are times, not every situation, but there are a lot of times where if you have something that's hurting you, that's not necessarily a physical healing that we might could think of. But on but more it could be a physical as well. But it's God's going to initiate the healing. But you're going to really encounter that healing process when you start opening up and sharing it with people because those wounds that you have been hiding and masking are now finally starting to come out and you're yeah. starting to get vulnerable. And now you have the actual, you're actually letting go of that stuff that you've been holding on to. Mm-hmm. And that's what lamenting can do. And, and when you're lamenting in a community, you know, you have your your issue your 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 sorrow you're trying to get through uh and how beautiful is it when somebody who has already been through that can walk over put their arm around you and say hey i've been there yeah mm-hmm. i know what you're going through like let me walk beside you while we're doing like while while you're going through this yeah like let me be let me be an instrumental part in your healing um it's just it's beautiful in so many ways and i think it's just such i think it's such a powerful way to worship in a very communal way mm-hmm. because it, again it's one of those things like you can't do it without community yeah like you just have to have community to lament you have yeah. to have community to worship um anything else on that no do you want to talk about i know you had your third question like how do you how do you bring it back? But yeah. I don't know if you want to touch on that. I, yeah, so we can touch on it, but I think the only way to bring it back is to just do it, right? Uh, so fair enough. <laughs> All like, right. And I know that sounds so so. You heard it here first. I know that sounds so simple, but craft theology. <laughs> just do it. But we uh, should trademark that. Just do it. 
a majority a majority of our audience are younger listeners. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Probably young young thinkers, young people looking to go into ministry or are in ministry. Um, you know, and the only thing I can say is you just you just do it, right? Just bring it back, right? Have the have the courage to sit down in front of a bunch of people and say, hey, we're going to talk about each other's problems today, and I'm going to start with mine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, geez, talk about how, like, close your church would get after that, though. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows everybody's problems. I mean, I'm not saying you, you know, give them your laundry list of issues, but, you know, just kind of touch on some stuff, mm-hmm. and then... You know, if that person comes over to you and wants to wants to help you through the problem, then you can open up more to them. Yeah. Um, but you know, knowing that, you know, my brother or my sister is in pain because of this, one, I now can pray for them about it, mm-hmm. uh, pray with them about it. Uh, but also, you know, next Sunday morning, I mean, that could be a person I never talk to. Yeah, on a Sunday morning. But next Sunday morning, I'm gonna walk up to him. How you doing? Right? How's how's this or how's that? You know, what has God done for you this week? It's gonna open up so many more doors mm-hmm. to build the community that we all are trying to build hmm. within our churches. And so I know just do it sounds so we should really use that as our catchphrase for the podcast. Cliche. Just but, do it. I wonder um, if any companies use that yet. You're gonna get a suit. <laughs> But if we but if we don't do it, then people aren't going to get comfortable with it, mm-hmm. and people have to get comfortable with it. Yeah, it. Oh, you have to get comfortable with it. I yeah. mean, it's something that I mean I was never comfortable with, and I hated it. And then I mean, you just you have to prepare the space for it, and don't necessarily push people into it. But then as they get more comfortable and they do it, it's just it's a learning curve. I mean, half of the reason that the three of us are so close as we are is because there's been days where I'll walk in and I'm just upset and I mean you don't pry but you definitely give the space and make it available for me to just be like you know what this is going on and I don't like it yeah and then Xander plays some stupid video to try to get me to laugh and then we just move on so it's just (laughs) make the space for it and it just you'll naturally then feel like I'm struggling with something call up Elliot and be like hey this is going on I don't know what to do and you're just going to get the opinion because you just have that and you've made that available yeah I think we all do that very well for for each of us we create we create space for all of us to to say what we need to say Mm -hmm. you know whether we're sad or angry or happy or whatever Um, even if it's something that you know the other person really doesn't care about. Yeah. I mean, we're going to sit there and we're going to listen and we're going to be happy with them mm-hmm. um, because that's just kind of the, yes. that's the community that we've cultivated amongst ourselves. We'll burn down a Wendy's together. Um, and Thank that's God. And that's the community that, you know, we need to try to cultivate within our churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that, that that's that open and that's freeing and that, you know, there is that much space for people to really express issues that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of wrap up this this idea of what is worship before we move into other uh, issues of worship. Okay. So 
worship is just basically everything. That is nice. Uh, that is that is <laughs> that is that is unto God. Yes, in a way. Yes. Yes. Okay, y'all are saying that like I'm wrong. So no, that elaborate. is the definition we gave. That is the definition we gave. Lucy doesn't like it. I don't. Okay. I don't know why I don't like it. I just I don't I don't think I like the verbiage. Okay, that's that's fine. We took an hour to get here for you to say that you didn't like the definition that we gave at the very start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, so then how would you rework it? Uh I don't know. Worship. If someone asked me what worship was, I'd say it's your way to bring reverence to God through your actions. Okay, but it's through everything you're doing. Yes, it's a way yeah. to glorify God through your actions. And then if they're like, well, is being an accountant worship? And I'm like, yes. So yes, I mean, I do, I just, I don't know. The way you worded it, I wasn't a fan of. Sorry. Well, when you word it like that, because I, I, I understand it's, because the first thing that comes out is everything you do. You, the first thing I think of is like, well, you know, there are times where I'll sit back and watch Netflix, or there are times where I'll sit back and, you know, do something that might not exactly you would classify as worship. But at the same time, you just have to realize and understand that we're always worshiping God in every action. I think that also gives us a little bit more accountability as well yeah. when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to talk about. Uh, because I know I know we want to have the conversation with worship music. We want to talk about that. Um, but before we go there, I want to talk about Matthew 14. Hmm. Great chapter. Um, so this was something that uh, kind of just <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, it's something... <laughs> that was the... I'm sorry, Elliot. That was <laughs> quite the conundrum of trying to watch this Yeti cup with a metal straw be silent. That was quite the event. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. So, <laughs> ch- the chapter 14 of Matthew, um, I was reading through it, and we were, this was, like I said, probably a couple year, year and a half ago, we were talking about theology of worship. Uh, so I'm reading through chapter 14, and... I'm not going to read the whole thing um, on the podcast, but the whole chapter uh, is worship. Yeah. Um, and we see various aspects of worship. So in the very beginning of the chapter, um, John the Baptist dies. Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist is beheaded, and uh, the disciples of John the Baptist take his body, they bury it, and they go and they tell Jesus. So from, which is verse 12. So uh, verse 12, we kind of see the first act of worship, and that is lamenting. Yeah. Right? His disciples have faced this tragic death, and they go and they tell somebody about it. Mm -hmm. They go and they tell Jesus. Yeah. And then right after that, we see the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So now we have community. Mm-hmm. Right on a massive scale, that you know all these people are here and they are eating, they are partaking of a meal together. And it's not the Eucharist, but it's just a meal. Yeah, right. They're eating. So we've seen lament and we've seen communion and fellowship. 
And then uh, after that, we have the story of uh, Jesus walking on water. And the one thing that really stands out is uh, when Peter says, uh, is it Peter? Yes, it is Peter. Uh, In verse 33, uh, no, I take that back. It's not Peter. Verse 33 says, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. So we see lamenting in the beginning. We see communion and fellowship with the feeding of the 5,000. And now we see a proclamation of who Christ is. So we've gone through kind of these three steps. And then at the end of uh, the chapter, it says, um, uh, I'll just read verse 34. When they'd crossed over, they came to to land at uh, Gennesaret. After the people of the place recognized him, they sent word throughout the region and brought all who were sick to him. So right there, again, we've seen lamenting, we've seen fellowship, we've seen proclamation, and now we've seen, like, witnessing. We've seen people going out saying, hey, like, Jesus is here. And so those people send their sick and their wounded, and uh, all that were touched got healed. And that's the last, that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. So all these people that have came uh, have received healing. And ultimately, the process repeats, right? Like when you think about that order of uh, worship, all I think of is like that is a church service. Yeah. Right? We start with lamenting. We come into the building saying we have problems. Yeah, we have issues. And just before you even move on from that, I think that's so important that all we should start church services like that. I mean, uh, we are literally yeah, walking in to a place of, you know, you were coming in. We need to humble ourselves and just say, you know, for the past week, I I did mess up. I sinned. I am tainted. I'm coming in yeah. saying, God, I have messed up. Like, I'm coming here to church in this building to worship and praise you. And through that, I just ask that you, you know, you make me clean. Like, I think that's so important that we start our church services off like that. Because I forget um, which professor had said it, but there is this, it's something powerful and special when you're walking into a church service, making yourself clean. That way you can completely worship and glorify God with nothing else in front of you. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Um, and, and so we come into church and we say, hey, we have problems. And then while you're in service, before service, during service, you're with a community of people that care about you and love you and want to help you. And together as a community, just like they did on the boat, they proclaim, you are the Son of God. You are Jesus. So there's a time to where that community praises and worships and proclaims and declares who God is. And then those people go out and tell other people, hey, you need to come check out this Jesus guy. Yeah. Like he's the best thing since sliced bread. Literally. So, (laughs) 
And so you like you need to come to church and you need to be a part of what's happening. And then those people come in, same thing happens. They walk in, hey, I'm broken, I'm hurt, they're surrounded by a community, they proclaim who God is, they receive a healing, they go out. Yeah. Like and it's this never ending cycle. Mm-hmm. Um and so chapter fourteen of Matthew, when you just read it, ultimately you read four different stories. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times those four stories are preached separately, mm-hmm. right? There's the preaching of Jesus walking on water. There's the preaching of the feeding of the 5,000, right? Like they're all never preached together. At least I've never heard it that way. Um, but it's interesting how we can see uh, these simple ideas that we've been talking about mm-hmm. kind of play out in Scripture. And maybe, you know, Maybe that is me uh, imparting too much of my own thoughts into the text. Um, Eisegesis, right? Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, I don't know. we got to do some eisegesis. Yeah, I mean, I also, you know, we also have to understand the author, too. Yeah. Matthew is very topical in a lot of things he does. I mean, even though that might not have been his exact intention was to show that, it still is, I mean, when you have a coincidence in the Bible, you wonder if it's a coincidence in the Bible. <laughs> but Yeah, absolutely. Because the way that that structure is, is it, it really is, I mean, you've said it over and over about, about how that is a church service, and that right. is something that does get repeated over and over. And so I, I would say I don't necessarily know if that's, I, whether that's actually something that was intentionally there or not, the coincidence and how well it works. It's not like we're changing things around or trying to extend what it was. Yeah. I mean, each and everything was a form of worship. I mean, you also have to think, cause I can think of the first person, the first one people would say, well, that's when they go and tell Jesus about John the Baptist dying, it's not like they just go up to Jesus and go, Hey, by the way, John the Baptist, he did. Oh yeah. Not <laughs> it's not how that, that's not how it goes. I mm-hmm. mean, these guys are like, Sometimes that's what we read in the Bible is the Bible doesn't exactly capture the emotion that yeah. these people would have gone through. I oh mean, yeah. and rightfully so. I mean, you're you're trying to say a whole lot in a verse. And that's where I think sometimes we have to do a little bit of digging ourselves and mm-hmm. imagine ourselves that, hey, these guys were human just like we were. Yeah. And imagine somebody that we were with and loved just got brutally murdered. I mean, they would be angry. Yeah. They would be mad. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't understand. Well, they were sackcloth mm. and ashes, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, like, there w- there would have been a visible, like, anyone there, who knew yeah. the customs, they would have visibly been able to see that they were, they yeah. were in pain. They were in a state of mourning. Yeah. 100%. Um, but that idea of emotion, went, the first thing I think of is uh, John 6. Mm-hmm. When, and it's mm. around 60... Eight sixty nine somewhere in there. Yeah. Um. When Jesus is given this teaching, and all the disciples leave, and Jesus turns and he looks at mm. the apostles, and he says, "He says, are are, are you going to leave me too?" Basically. Yeah. Um. But there's no way that mm-hmm. Jesus just looks at him and is like, "Are y'all going to leave too?" Yeah. Like, he definitely says that. With emotion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With probably the worst pain that any of us have ever experienced. Because all these people that he just 
really uh, poured into that he's ultimately going to go to the cross to die for just left and said, this is, this thing's too hard. We can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I imagine Jesus with a tear in his eye looking at his apostles saying, are you guys going to go too? Yeah, and you can hear it in the, in the throat too, right when you're about to. You can. Like me just thinking about it almost makes me want to tear up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Peter pulls off of Peter. <laughs> Good old Peter. And he's like, we ain't got nowhere else to go, bro. <laughs> like, you got the words to eternal life. We're here. And then five verses later, Peter gets called uh, Satan. Uh, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta yeah. love Peter. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was just kind of a side note. But, yeah, it's amazing how, you know, when you really, when you think about the fact that worship um, is an aspect of everything that you do, mm-hmm. just how often you can see worship in places where you wouldn't typically see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially when you're reading scripture, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of read these, you read these stories, and they're just kind of stories. But like, no, like worship is happening here. Yeah, like worship, worship may not be the focal point, or maybe it is the focal point. But worship is such a a, a focal point in all of scripture that it's typically something that we overlook so that we can try to find something else. Yeah. Because everything can be brought back to worship. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So worship, in a nutshell, is the acts that we uh, do Mm -hmm. that are glorifying to God. Mm-hmm. Um. And as Christians, that should be every act that you partake in. I like that. Yes. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, create our own definition or rewrite the books, but we're trying to... We're trying to... We're trying to give a definition that is um, easily understandable Mm -hmm. to the people listening. Yeah. Um, So... uh, Xander has just finished his beverage. I did. Um, Y'all are slow. I got like half. I'm just enjoying it and having the conversation. I was just chilling on a beach. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to pound it just to be done with it. Oh. I was done. It's a 52 minute pound. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm taking. I'm trust me. I'm trying to get through it as fast as I can over here. <laughs> well, at least you made it 52 minutes. Well, I had to slow down because I was already like halfway done. <laughs> we were only like ten minutes in, and I was like, "Uh oh." Okay, so uh, since you've since you've finished it, final yeah. thoughts on on what? The, on the beverage. Okay, so we were on beverage. Okay, yeah. Um, little break before we segue into. No, you're out of the conversation. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. It's it's not my favorite because it, it's. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but it just doesn't have that that. I don't really know how to describe it because it's not like a cider, but I wouldn't classify it as like a beer taste either. 100%. I think that's it what the word shandy means. I guess. We don't I know don't what a shandy know. is. I'm going to Google it. Google it. Because it's like, it's this just. This is called odd. craft theology, and we're about everything craft, and we don't <laughs> even know what a shandy is. <laughs> ah, we're still learning. We're learning as we go, people. So. Yeah, Lucy's looking at what a shandy is now. But that's 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 how I kind of feel about it. It's like don't really know how to like place it. Oh, 
What? The definition of a shandy is beer mixed with lemonade or other fruit juices like orange juice, apple juice, or grapefruit juice. That's why it's so grapefruity. So oh. it's just beer mixed with grapefruit juice. Because I interesting that changes. Okay, mm-hmm. that changes my scoring of it a little bit now that I understand what a shandy is. A typical shandy is an Australian drink, and it is beer and lemonade. So actually, thinking about it that way, that's delicious. It, it hits exactly <laughs> right? what you're going for. When I think about that as being a beer, it's not a good beer. No, not at all. Uh, and, so and it's funny. definitely not a good cider. No, but when you think of when when you make up the word shandy and put it together, it's a yeah freaking heck of a shandy. It's a good shandy. Ooh. So pilsners make the best beer base for a shandy. I do like a good pilsner. Says this. I do love a good says pilsner. Says this. Yeah. Says spruceeats.com. Well, thank you spruceeats.com. Uh, hey, make sure you go out to our Instagram and follow us. Uh, craft.theology like our photos uh, the pictures of you know what we're drinking will be up so maybe you can find them and enjoy them yourself um, are you closing out the podcast already no oh mm-hmm. I was about to say we didn't even score it no I'm just giving that that uh, oh you're just giving another little plug that mid-roll plug sorry I re- sorry I completely destroyed the plug nah you're all good um, hey if any of you uh, would like to support what we're doing you can do that through uh, the uh, anchor.fm slash craft theology. Um, as you may have noticed, we haven't had any ads in our podcast. Um, and I'd like to keep it that way because I'm not a fan of ads and podcasts, but we can only do that if we have the support of the fans. Um, and you can do that, like I said, through anchor.fm slash uh, craft theology. There's a button there where you can support the podcast and you can give a monthly payment. Uh, it can be a dollar, it can be $5, or it can be $10 a month. Um, anything, even if it's just a dollar a month, is very helpful. Yes, very helpful. Mm. Um, otherwise, we're going to have to start doing ads, and then you're going to be stuck with actual mid-roll reads yeah. um, instead of just us asking you to go support us. Yeah. Um, I don't know, mid-roll reads would be kind of funny, though. I don't, know, I don't like them. We'd make them fun. I mean, okay, yeah, but still, people are going to skip through them. Why? Yeah. Not if they're super interesting. Nope. Yeah, they are. I skip through all of them. Oh. I just want to hear the meat of the podcast. Like, honestly, if I was listening to this, I'd skip through this whole part. Because I just want to hear the theology. Well, anyways, back to the, the scoring. I know you guys still have We're not scoring left. yet, bro. Why? Because we're not done. Because we're not done. What? I want your score to impact my score. Wow. Yeah. Lame. Don't, don't talk to me that way. Wow. Um, so let's move on to um do what? You need to take a break? We Why you, are you, you can say that in the microphone. Oh, well, are yeah, you we can take the, a break. Are you gonna cut this out then? Or are we <laughs> leaving this in? No, we'll leave it in. Oh, come on. That's why I didn't <laughs> talk at the mic. No, we'll we'll leave it in, but I thought yeah. we were gonna take a little break and then we we're gonna come back and then what? this was gonna be our like part two. Uh, uh, um, maybe. Well, now this is all. It depends on it depends on how long the next part is. But uh, this. Do you need to step away? What I wanted to go stretch my legs. What Xander's talking about is we do have a lot to cover. Um, kind of as we're moving into the second half of what we want to talk about, and it might be uh, a little long, so we might be cutting this episode into two parts. Um, so if uh the audio stops, uh. 
very shortly. We are having a part two. Um, but if the audio continues, then this is just going to be a part one. But we are going to take a short break so that uh, Xander can go stretch his legs because wow. um, he he can't handle sitting down. Weak. So we'll be back in just a minute. Weak. Yeah, cool. Well, <laughs> 